Well, as you know, this is a recruiting hour, and we will talk recruiting this hour. Potentially a very big visit weekend ahead for OU at home this weekend. But there are times, Parker Thune, where recruiting really isn't the main story this this hour. It's what happened the Saturday before, and I think today is uh, I think today is one of those days where we'll mainly talk about the football game. Um, where is most of the anger on the text line directed at right now? I mean, I. I I can take a guess. Levy, referees, quarterback play, offense as a whole. Like the text line will tell us where the anger is most directed at, but uh, who's uh, who's enemy number one as we sit here on a Monday? The OC? It's Jeff Levy. Yeah. It's Jeff Levy. Jeff Levy has easily taken the most flack of anybody on the text line. Yeah, that was the case last week. It's going to be the case again today, and the defense wasn't perfect on Saturday. But was the defense good enough to win on Saturday? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you, essentially, you force three turnovers. You get two fourth down stops. You get the interception, and it's just kind of the same story once again, Parker. It's the defense wasn't perfect, but it was good enough to win. It put the offense in spots to really put the game away, and they're just they're just not able to do it. And it's just... One of the more mysterious things of the season, because you look at the offensive numbers as a whole and you say, whoa, the offensive numbers are pretty good. They're top 15 nationally here, top 20 nationally here, but it's almost like when it comes down to crunch time outside of that drive against Texas, they just haven't consistently gotten it done, man. Can I float a theory at you, please? My theory is that part of the reason, not not solely the reason, but a good portion of the reason why people are so upset with Jeff Lebby, whether they realize it or not, is because Lebby does not do a good job explaining or rationalizing or apologizing and taking accountability for his mistakes. Because obviously after the Kansas loss, everybody kind of... they, They were miffed about the fact that Brent Venables sat there and took responsibility for all of it. While Lebby said we were trying like heck to get a first down when he very obviously wasn't right. And then this week, <laughs> really all he said about the fourth and five play call was, and I quote, we liked it, thought it was going to be man to man, needed to be about a yard deeper. That's the reality of it. I can put us in a yeah. better situation. And was it man to man even on that play? I mean, that you, you roll out to the near side on that play. You just really – and I had no problem at that point throwing it to Drake Stoops. No, 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 no. Drake Stoops was your best offensive player on, on Saturday, right? But you just really limit yourself when you run that to the near side of the field. And But your overall point is is that Levy doesn't do himself any favors when he doesn't take – when he doesn't take the blame that needs to be taken on, on a situation like that, Cor- correct? Is exactly. That what, you're getting at? My, I, what I'm getting at is if Jeff Levy comes out after the game and says, man, I screwed that up, should have called a different play there, we should have taken more time to think it over, called a timeout, something like that, and I should have used the field a little bit more than I did. Sucks that we lost. I own that as much as anybody, and we'll be better next week. People aren't absolving him. But they will look at that and be willing to extend a lot more grace if he's openly admitting, hey, I could have done a lot better. It's not an apples to apples comparison, but it's what Lincoln, like he would just always say we're close after losses, right? And people hammered him over that when he was here, and now people make fun of him for doing it at USC, right? I know it's not the same necessarily, but 
Yeah, just stand up there and, and, and own it that your offense wasn't great. You're, you're already laughing at something. <laughs> the text line has very different opinions of my theory. This listener in the 972 says, Dang right, he's a moron who can't take responsibility for his actions, but when your role model is our brows, what do you expect? Well, it doesn't say moron. It says blank stick well, in yes, there yes. that I, we can't I sanitize. And you know what? Um, that is the second F-bomb in three segments on this station that I've either read or heard because I think yeah. it was the second to last segment and on the was... post game show. Woo, buddy, we got an f bomb that uh, happened uh, happened from a caller, and we had to we had to dump that one rather quickly. Meanwhile, oh Chris in the nine one eight says I disagree with Parker on this. It's not what Jeff mm-hmm. says. It's about how dysfunctional and how unorganized the offense appears. And look, that is true, Chris. A- again, I think that is the root of the issue. But I think what's exacerbating it. For many, whether they realize it or not, whether they are conscious of it or not, is that they're not getting enough accountability from Levy. He's not taking enough accountability. You know what? And and there were times in the third quarter, like mid-third quarter, late third quarter, when it felt like OU had the momentum. Really, after they get up 21-17, after Tawie Walker has that touchdown run, you know those drives that we're talking about where OU has the ball back at midfield or a drive to go take that to a two-score game? You know, in some of those drives, I remember thinking to myself, "Woo, OU starting to push Oklahoma State around a little bit here. Tawie Walker starting to get about six, seven, eight yards a carry. But this offense, man, and, and whoever you want to blame, that's fine. But it's its own worst enemy at times because it's up 21-17. It feels like you got the run game going a little bit. But then, Parker, you've got, um, you get a full start on an offensive lineman or a wide receiver, they back themselves up behind the chains, and it's just like one mistake goes wrong, and they can't overcome it, and the drive stalls, and it's over with no points. It's just it's extremely, extremely frustrating to watch this offense at this point, man. Yeah, extremely and, frustrating. And what's frustrating about that final play call is even if Lebby explains it away by saying, well, the route needed to be deeper. Well, guess what? You have no failsafe. If you don't complete that pass to Drake Stoops exactly. beyond the sticks, yeah, what if because it's not it open? is a like, what that's not the, the look that you thought you were going to get. That's the only place you can go with the ball on that play. Rolling out to the short side, Drake Stoops towards the sideline at the marker. That's the only place that ball can just go. Throw the ball down the field, man. They were having success at times just throwing the ball down the field. I don't know. Tyler from Kellyville says, "I don't know what we're yelling about. Loud noises." <laughs> Scary uh, Gary I'm, says, no, actually, I'm upset because his offense, it's predictable, and his personnel packages are butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, uh, whether intentional or not, Scary Gary, for uh, offering up some uh, comedy in uh, <laughs> not a fun football team to talk about. Yeah, some personnel changes or some personnel decisions are, um, r- really, I-, I guess the personnel decision that had me the most confused is, Gavin Freeman's been your punt returner all year long, uh, and he's yes, been solid. Yes, but then I'm glad we're bringing this up. LV Bunkley you. Shelton is just randomly back there in the biggest game of the year. <laughs> I, I didn't understand. Hey, that what was... the hell? <laughs> Why do you do you do you remember Tyler? Because I will tell you when the last time Oklahoma decided to experiment with a new punt returner was. Do you remember? Uh, it was the last time they were at Oklahoma State, Bingo. correct? Yeah. And what happened? Remind me. Uh, it was probably the biggest play of the game. OU, uh, who was it? Eric Gray? Eric freaking Gray. Yeah. O- Oklahoma State ends up getting a big touchdown out of that. Eric Gray was a great running back, not a great punt returner. And they decided to throw him back there when Marvin Mims had been a rock in that department all season. And it helps. Like, thankfully, LV Bunkley Shelton did not muff the ball away to the other team. 
after fumbling the kick. But why is he, he back was there? able to get back on top of it? But again, why is he back there? I, and look, that didn't lose them the game, but it was just um, an interesting personnel decision. We didn't see Brennan Thompson at all in the first half. He gets the first reception out of half. I just just. Jaden Gibson had, I think, one snap on Saturday, and he continues to be a guy that if you'll just throw him the football, he'll make plays. I don't know. It's just, it's there, there's a lot of uh, head scratching decisions that are going on right now offensively. Here's a text from a 405 listener: Man, did we mess up not hiring Dan Lanning? Would he have picked OU over Oregon? And this is what I would caution you against: The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, always. And so you can. You can concoct this theoretical reality in your mind where Dan Lanning is Oklahoma's head coach and things are much rosier. The reality is, I don't know if you could convince me that Dan Lanning is better off through, what now, 22, 23 games at Oklahoma than Brent Venables has been because Lanning would have had the exact same challenges taking this job that Venables would have. And what he's doing at Oregon is not... I don't want to I don't want to refuse to give him credit. He's done a good job up there, but what makes his job all the easier up at Oregon is the vast virtually infinite array of resources at his disposal. Sure. Which and, he does I mean, not have at Oklahoma. He got Bo Nix, but give them credit for turning Bo Nix into the quarterback he never was at Auburn. But let's be real here. I mean, you you can look at it that way, but this fan base and it almost felt like the entirety of the fan base they wanted one guy for that head coaching job. It's 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 Brent Venables, right? If 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 OU didn't get Brent Venables, everyone was going to be pissed at the time. And I still think a lot of people believe in Brent Venables at this point, even though it doesn't look great. Yes, I still believe in Brent Venables. I don't know why you wouldn't believe in Brent Venables. And again, if Oklahoma can win their final three games the regular season, you're ten and two with a win over Texas. Isn't that preseason what everybody was saying they would have been thrilled with, Tyler? Yeah, but expectations change. They do. You know that. They do. Especially when it's a Bedlam loss for the last time in a long time. Like today is, Saturday night was a pretty awful day. To, you know, like uh, after losing that game, Sunday was pretty bad. But for a lot of people, Monday, man, this is when you go back to the office and have to see those Oklahoma State coworkers. The Monday after a Bedlam loss is not its not a fun day, man. This is, this is not a good day for a lot of people. Wilson says our defense is playing well enough for us to win, but the offense is not. Levy was the OC for two offensive-minded head coaches prior to coming to OU, Kiffin and Malzahn, so he wasn't really responsible for the offensive production of those programs. He is way overrated and needs to go. The O is a reflection of the OC. Wow. So the question that I asked you early on, that I already knew the answer to, just wanted to let the text line dictate it. Um, where is the majority of the anger? Where is it going right now? Yeah, it's, it's the offensive coordinator. It's really not, it's not that close. And here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. I understand the Levy frustration. And I understand that there are a lot of fans that have seen enough and they want him fired. Now, I am not going to sit here and try to talk you out of that because I very much feel that if you have your mind made up one way or another, I'm not going to change it. But... What I will ask you to do is present a solution. If you want Jeff Levy removed, replaced as Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, who do you want him replaced with? Are you asking the text go- line right now? Yes. Oh, buddy, yes. they'll give you some names. I, and I'm fine with that. I just want to know. like, if, if you think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence and you can do better at OC, give me some realistic candidates that you think would be better suited I'll, for the I'll, uh, I'll give you a name in terms of who I think it could be 
if a change or if he were to just just say if a change were to be made or Levy takes another job and how it would be presented most likely is Jeff Levy takes another opportunity elsewhere yeah, is how yeah. I think it would go down. But this is just purely a guess. I'm going to guess that you're talking about Seth Luttrell as the next offensive coordinator. I think that there's a chance that that could happen and he's in that group of candidates. But obviously just a guess there. Yeah, I mean, if you're hiring from within, that's obviously the, the guy at the top of the list. Did someone say Dan goes. Mullen in there? Are you? That's the first <laughs> name I saw is Dan Mullen. Somebody said Dan Lanning has a punchable face. Yeah, well, okay. I, I, I'll take mm-hmm. that. Uh, Nick says, I would like to see PIs be challengeable by a head coach. Thoughts? Yeah, no, Nick, I'm sorry, but like we, we tried that in the NFL for a year. It was unless a it's, miserable Unless disaster. it's so bad, unless it's just blatantly off. I don't know. Jeez, that was, that was just terrible, man. It's terrible. By the way, we've got over 200 techs so far this segment, and we've got OU men's basketball Holy tickets to give away at some smokes, point. Holy man. Well, people do have suggestions. I will give them credit for that. They came with suggestions. A lot of Seth Luttrell's going on right now, man. Bobby Petrino is, oh boy, we're getting uh, quite the mix of names at this point. 405-651-3439 if you want to interact with us on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I know you did a trivia question uh, with Steely. Want me to do another one? You are more than welcome to do another one. Okay. We'll do that coming up next right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and you, the ref army as well. Listening nationwide and uh, texting in on the text line with who you would want to see as the next OC, or at least ideas for the next offensive coordinator. Somebody said Norm Chow, man. That's wow. a blast from the past. Um, I immediately think of those USC teams in the early 2000s. What about you? What, what yes. do you the head coach at? He ended up getting a head coaching job somewhere at one point, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, it was like Fresno or somewhere. I feel I like it was in the state of California where he got a head coaching job. But yeah, Norm Chow, I immediately think of those really good USC teams. That's interesting. Oh, he was a head coach at Hawaii. That's okay. what it was. All right. uh, Ref Army, though, listening nationwide. Speaking of that, Honolulu, Hawaii is tuned in today Love via it. the free KREF app. Sacramento, California. Lubbock, Texas. What up, LaDonna? Warner Robins, Georgia, Whitmore Lake, Michigan, Miami, Florida, Sioux City, Iowa, Bloomington, Indiana, small Oklahoma town of the day, Lahoma. Lahoma, Oklahoma. Looks like that's by Enid, but that popped up on the uh, app map today. All right, we ready for this trivia question? Yes, uh, Ref Army Locators brought to you by Affordable Door Company. These OU Central Michigan tickets tonight also brought to you by Affordable Door Company. What do you What do you got? Which, by the All way, right. is Connor Stallions going to be on the Central Michigan bench tonight, trying to scout for? Uh, I, I don't know, scout for like Kansas or something like that. I'll keep an eye out. I, for just him. watch out. He for is, him. He is looking for work. He's been on a Central Michigan sideline once. He could be there tonight once again. All right. If you know the answer to this trivia question, and you would like two tickets to the Oklahoma Central Michigan basketball game this evening. Text the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439 with your answer. Please do not text it an answer if you don't want the tickets or you're not going to can't use them because that's kind of pointless. But if you know the answer and you want to go watch OU basketball tonight, here is your question. Gavin Sawchuk, I mean, in, in, a, in one of, of the lone bright spots Saturday afternoon, Gavin Sawchuk went 64 yards to the house on the Sooners' very first possession of the football game. The trivia question is, prior to Gavin Sawchuk's 64-yard touchdown run, who was the last Sooner to record a touchdown run of over 60 yards? I think I know the answer to this. I bet you do. 
I think I know the answer. You're on top of stuff. Like um, it is. Um, it's it's not obvious. I think if you really think about it, then the answer. I, I don't think it's going to take long for us to get this answer. I don't think that that's going to be the case. Yeah. Uh, Mark, Mark in Newcastle, Newcastle the bingo, there we in. go. Congratulations, Mark in Newcastle. The You're answer, going. Dylan Gabriel, mm-hmm. 61 yards against Nebraska last fall. And that was the longest run of the Brent Venables era until Saturday, Gavin Sawchuck's run, right? Congratulations, Mark in Newcastle. You're going to the Lloyd Noble Center tonight. 7 p.m. OU Central Michigan, thanks to Affordable Door. Uh, yeah, there you go. OU Central Michigan tonight. OU is like a 21 point favorite, something like that. So go there, cheer them on as OU tries to get back to the uh, NCAA tournament this year. Um, any, have any of the OC texts stuck out? I mean, we're getting anything from <laughs> Art Bryles to Norm Chow to Kale Gundy, Willie Corn. Willie Corn, the former Clemson quarterback? I don't even know where he's at right now. I believe he is at Coastal Carolina, or at least he was very recently. He might have moved to Liberty with Jamie Chadwell's staff. Yeah, he is at Liberty now. Loco Ohio says, hey, Tyler, I know we're buddies, and this is for my brother and Tyler in Kellyville as well, but just wanted to pass along a fly Eagles fly to you, sir. Yeah, don't hire Mike freaking McCarthy as your play caller next year. That's that's my uh, it's my one wish to to OU. Who's ever listening up there? We have a lot mm-hmm. of votes for Kale Gundy as OC, and that's fine. That's that's just not gonna happen. J Dub Sooner says Cliff Kingsbury. Cherokee Sooner says Greg McElroy. I like this one from the four hundred five. I hear Alex Grinch is available. He can't stop offenses, so if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio Sooner says I think oh you should go after Sharon Moore. He turned Michigan's offense from absolutely miserable in 2020 to one of the more underrated units in the country today. And his offensive line won the Joe Moore Award two years ago. He is an OU guy who played under Coach Stoops as well. If Harbaugh is on his way out at Michigan, that staff is going to be right for the picking. And I agree with that. I have regarded Sharon Moore for years now as a guy that Oklahoma, if ever there is an opportunity for you to bring that guy on staff, and there hasn't really been with Bill Biedenboe being a mainstay, as your offensive line coach, but if there ever is an opportunity to bring more home, it makes sense to do so because he has been wildly yeah, successful. Yeah, but is he I, – I don't think they would hire him for the head coaching job. I'm sure he would get an interview, and would that new staff, whoever it is, really want to keep him there? You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm i sure that there's a lot of head coaches, if that happens with Harbaugh, that would want to keep Sharon Moore there. Uh, several have said Lauren Montgomery from Bixby. Hey, oh, you'll play like three quarterbacks in one drive. That'll be fun. And You'll really get to see who the best quarterback on the roster is if three of them are playing the entire game. Gosh, somebody said Phil Longo, and this brings up a great point because I think everybody kind of views changing offensive coordinators as, oh, you bring in somebody different, the offense automatically gets better. right? You replace Jeff Levy, somebody else will have more success than him with as much talent as Oklahoma has. And that's just not always true because there is a ton that goes into the installation of a new offensive scheme and the establishment of a rhythm. Phil Longo, I think, is the shining recent example of how you can have a great offensive scheme that has been successful at the collegiate level, but if you don't have the requisite personnel to run it, you're going to run into some major hiccups because his Wisconsin offenses have not been stellar. No. Um, You know how I know we're close to coaching carousel season? What's that? Anytime I see a text that says Joe Brady on it, I say, oh, yeah, 
We are almost to coaching carousel season. It says, do I have the correct number, Joe Brady? Yes, you do uh, have the correct number, but Joe Brady has been a name that's been thrown around for how many years now? I mean, I guess essentially since that 2019 LSU season that he was a part of, which he wasn't the play caller on that LSU team. Steve Insminger, the offensive coordinator, was the play caller there. But uh, Joe Brady has often been a... For, for a lot of different fan bases, a name that's brought up this time of the year. Somebody said he could b- get Brett far from the high school ranks. Well, you might have to give some raises mm-hmm. all around in the OU legal department Seriously. to prepare for <laughs> yeah, that. After what happened at Southern Miss. How mummy. Hey, um, <laughs> speaking of the Alex Grinch situation yesterday. Oh, yeah, let's how, go there. That's fun. How about USC getting a 2026 commit like 30 minutes after his firing yesterday? That's wild, man. Isn't that wild? Like, correlation? Causation? Like, oh, okay. He's finally out of there. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and commit. Now. Hey, there's nowhere to go but up. I, I can commit to USC knowing that things are going to get better. Yeah. Um, j- just to bring up recruiting real quick, because this could be a very big visit weekend for OU. And we've been saying now for a couple of weeks, if Grant Bricks comes to Norman this weekend, all right, that's, that's, a, that's very telling, okay? If he doesn't show up, that's extremely telling as well. Same thing for Eddie Pierre-Louis. Same thing for Terry Bussey. Is OU on track to get four-star offensive lineman Grant Bricks and Eddie Pierre-Louis in town this weekend? Is that how it looks right now as of Monday? That is how it looks right now as of Monday. Yes, both of those guys are expected to be on campus. And, you know, the the kickoff time was released, I think, Saturday night. And everyone was so mad it was, ah, whatever, you know. OU West Virginia, that's a night game, that's, that's great, whatever, mad about Bedlam. And I get that. But as we look to this recruiting class and how much we've talked about Grant Bricks and EPL, I'm sure for both of those guys, and and maybe they still make it if it's an 11 a.m. game, but being a 6 p.m. game makes it a lot more manageable for Grant Bricks and Eddie Pierre-Louis to make it in for a game. So that actually could be pretty big for the recruiting weekend this uh, you know coming up on Saturday that it could and uh, it it is a lot more convenient for those guys to come from way out of state for a 6 p.m. game definitely takes some of the stress of travel off them and their families and it's just generally going to enhance the experience given that they're not going to have to rush there and rush back and they got some time just kind of chill and hang out um we officially have a vote for Ronnie Crimson as offensive coordinator. I'm good with that, yeah. After I met Ronnie uh, at the UCF game at halftime, I was convinced he, he needs to be the next. He just looks like the next OC of this program. That's for sure. And he can wear his ref hat that he won on the sideline. It'd be really? great for you, us, would You'd it? rather have him wearing the ref hat than his uh, trademark straw hat? I'm a company man. I'd rather him be wearing the ref hat on the sideline. Sooner Smitty says, Grant Bricks' final three all lost Saturday. Is OU the <laughs> cleanest dirty shirt in the hamper? That's a very that's very relatable, Sooner Smitty. At least for me. I can relate to that quite a bit. But is it really a final three? Or are we just talking a final two here for Grant Bricks? Yeah. OU I in mean, Nebraska. It, it's a final three. It's more of a final two than a final three, though. Like I I'm starting to look at Kansas State as kind of the new Alabama in this race. Where yeah, they're technically a finalist, but they're not in nearly as good of a standing as the other schools. What about Terry Bussey? Still a chance that he makes it in? Is he confirmed that he's trying to come in this weekend? A&M uh, has really prioritized him uh, here the past couple of weeks, which who knows what that means. Yeah, look, at, I do not have any expectations of Terry Bussey visiting Norman again or flipping to Oklahoma. 
If he does show up to campus, okay, great, but that's not the expectation I have right now. Okay, so really we're just talking about Eddie Pierre-Louis and Grant Bricks in the 2024 class, right? Or anyone else in 24 could make it uncommitted, I mean, make it in this weekend? I, I, Kobe Black? I, I don't really buy that one, though. Like Again, he's he told the OU staff last month that he would be in town for the West Virginia game. Do I buy that that will happen? Not really, but I guess we'll see. So I, I saw this on Rivals today in terms of players that we've talked about that you know we're looking at as on flip watch. And, and maybe this isn't realistic. I, we haven't talked about this guy, but Rivals featured Marcellus Williams, the four-star corner out of St. John Bosco in California, the USC commits. Yeah. And they're saying that um, he's been committed to USC since June. His older brother Max plays there. Um, but the Alex Grinch firing could be so devastating if they get rid of the entire staff <laughs> that could he flip somewhere. And I guess that LSU and OU are still on him, the four-star corner out of St. John Bosco. Well, so okay. First off, Alex Grinch's firing, I would say, is the opposite of devastating for USC. Because, like, if anything, that is a positive to put in front of your recruits. I, okay, we fired the guy that was responsible for this defense absolutely sucking. So, again, there's nowhere to go but up here. And also, Dante Williams, the secondary coach at USC, predates Grinch and predates Riley's staff. So, I doubt that if they decided to move on from Deep from certain defensive staffers, I doubt that Dante Williams would find himself looking for a new job. I don't know if I was surprised by the USC reaction yesterday, but it was, all right, well, imagine Lincoln Riley now with a legitimate defensive coordinator. Like, it was almost as if the attention and the pressure's a little off of Lincoln Riley, and it was more of, all right, well, now since Alex Grinch is gone, now the, uh, okay, guys, I just... I just don't think a Lincoln-Riley-led team is capable of playing elite defense. So if you think that Alex Grinch was the issue, fine. I just don't think it's going to get a whole lot better with the new defense coordinator. And Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't OC think I am. the OC conversation has officially come full circle. Colin Casey has suggested Mark Mangino. Drag Mike Shanahan out of retirement. I mean, we've... We, we have we've hit them all. Mike, get Mike Shanahan out of retirement. There's even a Muleshoe Jr. or Garrett Riley on here. Yeah, love it. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. So the offense isn't great right now, or at least it's not great when it needs to be. Well, you got a good offensive class committed, so who are some names that could come out and help this offense immediately? We'll talk about that next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. And I think that we are on the verge of setting a KREF record this hour. Now, full disclosure, I don't know what the record is, but through two segments, we have 455 texts so far this hour. I don't know if we've had a show before that has surpassed 600 texts in one hour. I think if we do that today, and I think there's a decent chance we might, we're going to go ahead and claim the KREF record today. Now, I did kind of bait people by asking That's them fine. To- the numbers are the numbers. Okay, okay. Not the first time we've tried a debate reaction on the uh, on the text line before. Not the first time at all. But real quick, um, it doesn't like just because you lose back to back games, 
doesn't mean necessarily the kids are going to say, all right, I'm done, forget it. I've been committed to this team for three, four months. All of a sudden, I'm going to decommit. For some, results do matter, but not for everyone. I think everyone is his own unique case when it comes to recruiting. Is there an overall negative recruiting effect from that loss on Saturday and kind of where you currently sit here after the past couple of weeks? Like, How do we evaluate the recruiting side of things after these past two losses? Is, is it a big hit? No, I don't think it's a big hit. I, I think the vast majority of guys that are locked in with you in the 2024 class and beyond that they weren't they didn't commit to Oklahoma with some expectation that OU was going to compete for a national title in 2023. In fact, a lot of these guys have said it's clear that Oklahoma just needs another few pieces and they want to be those last few pieces that help Oklahoma get over the hump into championship contention. Also with the move to the SEC, you have a certain degree of insulation. Because these guys know, as they're coming in, that they're going to get a chance to play in the Premier Conference in America. And so that gives them a little more security in picking Oklahoma. Because I guarantee, like, there have been some, some folks that have said, OU's going to go 0-8 in the SEC next year. I guarantee you no recruit that has sat in Brent Venable's office actually believes that. Yeah, well, I mean, we Isaiah Autry was in Oxford this weekend for the Ole Miss game. We kind of explained that on Friday. But not that a decommit, there's a 0% chance it happens. But it just doesn't feel like anyone is really on flip watch right now at this point or decommit watch. Um, it just – does the momentum impact your chances, I guess, with Bricks and EPL? I think that's what we're really talking about here after, uh, after back-to-back Well, losses. when you look at the teams that you're competing with for those two, Nebraska, yeah. Kansas State, and UCF, you can still make the very objective argument – that you are in a better spot as a program than anywhere else those kids could realistically commit. Greg and Muskogee says, do not think it helped to flip a Missouri commit. Saying that uh, the way that Missouri's playing, that williams Winery may be locked in with Mizzou. It's a fair perspective to have. And admittedly, flipping from Mizzou is a lot more difficult when Mizzou is 7-2 and two as opposed to what we all figured they were going to be at this point in the season, which is what, like 5-4 and four best case scenario? Uh, let's see. Scott T says, "Just wanted to be one of the record setters. As Sooner fans, we need to win, and we need any win we can get right now." Fair point, Scott. Uh, who do we look at though? Uh, current commits in this class as guys that can immediately uh, help this offense out next year. Taylor Tatum's got a chance, right? Taylor Tatum's going to have a chance. Um, Devon Mitchell. I mean, Devon Mitchell. I don't know if stars, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you're talking guys that are going to have an opportunity to start as true freshmen, they're not. There might not be a guy with a clearer path. Yeah. than Devon Mitchell. What about Zion Kearney? I think Zion Kearney is going to have an impact. Now, how much of an impact? I don't know. Kind of depends on how willing they are mm-hmm. to throw him into the fire straight away. But if there is a wide receiver in this class that will make an early impact, it's easily Zion Kearney. This guy is not ranked as one of your top offensive players committed. But he can serve a role that, when I think back to the best OU offenses, that those teams have had this type of player. Xavier Robinson in it, right? And and clearly OU's been missing that fullback, H-back kind of role within the offense this year. I know the tight end position hasn't been great either. Though Xavier Robinson doesn't have the stars that Taylor Tatum has or Zion Kearney has or Devon Mitchell has, is there a chance that the Coral Albert Sr., could help out your offense next year with the role that he provides. In short yardage, sure, I think there's a lane for him there. 
Now, okay, a lot of it depends on who else Oklahoma has in the running back room because, like, I'll I'll come out and say it. I expect Oklahoma to lose at least one running back. Oh, it would be portal. it'd be it'd be surprising at this point if that didn't happen. I expect them to lose at least one transfer from the running back room. So it kind of depends on the cast of characters. But if you're talking about a guy that has a very obvious and natural window to slot in immediately as a situational contributor, Xavier Robinson is probably as good of an option as you're going to have in short yardage situations. Hey, here's one positive from Saturday. I had B.J. Brooks down as well, um, kind of an interior offensive lineman. One positive from Saturday, they actually picked an offensive line and stuck with it throughout the game. How about that? And Caden Green was a part of it. They let Caden Green have more and more snaps. I know the loss is the bigger story here, but as we go down and look at the game here, it's like, oh, I kind of said it halfway in jest okay. yesterday, but I, I also kind of believe this is the truth. Like, If you're going to have Austin Stogner on the field and you're not going to have him run routes, like if all he's going to be is a run blocker and if he's not going to factor into the passing game at all, why not just bring in Jacob Sexton and run six offensive linemen? I, hey, it, 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 anything at this point, man, anything. Uh, 404, I hold the door open for Javante Barnes. Philbert says, why is Petaway not getting more plays, especially over Freeman in the slot? Boy, Freeman had that drop on the slant routes. What was that, maybe the second series of the game? I, I can't remember which series it was. It was early. Did we see Gavin Freeman that much at wide receiver after that, after he had that drop? Not that I can recall. Wide receiver snaps have been so weird, man. Up and down, I mean, dude. Brennan Thompson had one drive. We saw J.J. Hester, which was bizarre. Like, I had to do a double take. I was like, is that J.J. Hester out there before Jaden Gibson? Jaden Gibson played one snap yesterday. Or, I'm sorry, Saturday. One snap. Yep. Let your most athletic guys run routes, man. Well, That's and, my big beef right now. And, and again, like, it's been uh, every opportunity he's gotten this year. It, I mean, he's really made the most of it. So why isn't he getting more opportunities? I don't, I don't understand. Jimmy and Edmund says, I have asked all day. Sure, every show today ha- has seen my text, but if we go 10-2, and two, is it a downer from what we started? I do believe we probably got back to earth. We probably are a top 20 or top 18 ranked team, but I still believe our defense has put this offense in good shape to win the last two games. The offense has been up and down all year, but has to find ways to get the first down, score that last TD, and put the game away. Really, Jimmy is asking if they go 10-2, and two, is that a successful season? Not everybody is going to be okay with it, but I think you should be okay with it. Like if if your season consists of ten and two, two losses to ranked opponents, and a victory over Texas, again within the context of the reframed expectations at midseason, maybe you're miffed about the way that things wrapped up down the stretch. But all in all, if you're looking at the total picture. That's pretty dang good for year two. If that 10-2, and two, and the 10-2 and two could mean make the Big 12 championship game, but if the 10-2 and two means not making the Big 12 championship game, it's going to be hard for me to call a season where, again, OU misses out on the Big 12 championship game. It's going to be hard for me to call that a success. Because if you miss out on the Big 12 championship game, I'm seeing a lot of bowl projections today, and I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with this, the Texas Bowl. Would they have like if that's right? If OU's ten and two, but they're going to the the Texas Bowl, it's going to be hard for me to call that a successful season. That's that's just where I'm at with the easiest schedule that you may 
have ever again in your program's history. Hey, at least they would have the opportunity to beat Texas and win their bowl game in the same year, though. 832, why aren't they using Austin Stogner? I don't get it. Is Austin Stogner giving you reasons as to why you would want to feature him more? He's got 10 catches this year for 91 yards. I Again, he's just he's not a threat. He's a non-factor in the passing game. And I hate it because he's a great dude. He is a consummate Sooner. And I have fond memories of the Austin Stogner that just ran roughshod over the Big 12 for the first half of that 2020 season before he had the bout with sepsis. But I just I, – I can't justify having him out there every down or most downs at this point because he's not adding anything of value. No, no. He may be able to find an open space in the defense, but he's not going to give you a whole lot after that. Uh, one more from the state of Iowa, 515. What is getting better? I can give you a who is getting better – Versus a what is getting better. And the one of the few bright spots from Saturday, other than what I joked about, is that they actually stuck with an offensive line group. Kip Lewis is really good, guys. Kip Lewis That's your next great amazing. linebacker here. That, that, guy's, that guy's legit. He's, he's good. He's real good. And he needs to get more snaps moving forward. Me thinks that he probably will, but I think that he should in some capacity, whatever that looks like. Now, I, I, I know that having Danny Stutzman on the sideline hurt. But all in all, Kip Lewis on Saturday was what you expect Danny Stutzman to be. Leading tackler, man. He's all over the place. All over the place, in on a couple of big, big stuffs. Robert Spears Jennings was another guy that played fantastic defense Saturday. Yeah, he did. 405 651 3439, Meyer Chevrolet text line. You guys have been awesome all day on the text line, and we'll, we'll spend the entire segment just reading text coming up next. How about that? Right here on the ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones, they sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. Check them out in El Reno. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC. From the 404, straight text this segment. It's my belief that OU should definitely look for a transfer running back in the portal, one that can bring some shake and experience not sold on our running back room. Could that be totally dependent on... How many running backs you lose to the portal? Or do you think OU will be an active player looking for a back? I'm going to disagree with you there. I don't think OU needs a running back via the portal. Because I think if you learned one thing on Saturday, it's that when you give the rock to Gavin Sawchuck, he can make some stuff happen. And you want to talk about shake, you want to talk about explosiveness, that guy's got it. So I, I think the options are there for Oklahoma. I just really think... And I don't want to say the running back room has been mismanaged. I Those coaches know a lot more about their room than I do, so I don't want to accuse them of mismanaging. But I will say some of the decisions as far as the snap count and the usage of these running backs has been baffling at times. I think the pieces are there. I think Gavin Sawchuk is easily the most explosive back you have on the roster. Tawi Walker is a tank. Absolutely love watching him. And I think Taylor Tatum is going to contribute next year as a true freshman. I also would not forget about Dalen Smothers because, as I've said before, I think he's got a bright future as well. So the pieces are there. I just – I'm not really sure. The puzzle isn't 
coming together right now. 918 hates saying this, but does DeMarco Murray need to be reevaluated as running backs coach? No. Between production and rotations, the room has been completely underwhelming and at times bad this season. Yeah, it hasn't been great this year, but he's got the number one running back in the country committed. So I don't think that you need to reevaluate DeMarco as a running backs coach at all. Well, right? and again, I will go back to it. There are a lot. There are a lot of opinions that we throw out there, that fans throw out there, but in the end, in the majority of cases, coaches make the right decisions. And for instance, everybody last fall at this time was hollering about how we needed more Jaron Canick at linebacker. Need more Jaron Canick. More Jaron Canick. Why isn't Jaron Canick playing? And how's that well, going? Well, right exactly. <laughs> the last three games are kind of showing you why Jaron Canick wasn't playing last year. 580 with Sean Lewis being demoted at Colorado. Maybe we should go after him this offseason. Oh my God. Sean Lewis would walk from Boulder to Norman, Oklahoma to be a part of this staff as opposed to the, what's going on in Boulder right now. He got demoted and had to signal in the plays that the other guy replacing him was calling all of a sudden. Yeah, Sean Lewis brutal. would get here in a hurry. That's brutal, man. I, Dion, I, I'm not going to go there. We don't have time to go there. Jeff from OKC, a little late to be doing this. We need to go back to the basics, kind of like Oklahoma State did. If the basics are just running north and south and attacking defensive backs down the field, I, when OU did that on Saturday, the offense was pretty good. They had some good drives when they just said, let's just run the ball north and south. Let's not try and go. I, and I know their stadium's east and west. I, I know that before <laughs> anyone texts in. But actually, not, not going sideline to sideline, just attacking down the field. When they did that on Saturday, they're pretty good. And I think they are pretty good as an offense when they do that as opposed to trying to get too cute. Again, Tyler, I think the pieces are there offensively. I would just like to see Oklahoma stick with what works because that's one thing they have not done. Gavin Sawchuck had four carries for 15 yards in the second. Gilbert says pleasantly surprised with Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie. Yeah, Kobe did a nice job, but Kip Lewis was like one of the best defenders on the field, not the best defender on the field. 633 texts that hour. It's official. K-Ref record. I'm calling it right now. 633 texts during Locked In. You guys are awesome. Let's do it for uh, three more hours on the rush. Keep it locked on the ref.